Amen for that special music. Take your Bible, please, and look once again at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Today, it's uh, Pink Tie Day today, and that means uh, we're going to honor the mothers. I only wear the pink tie when we have a Mother's Day. Uh, next week, I got another tie for the fathers, but um, today it's Pink Tie Day. We're talking today about being a great mom by faith. <clears throat> That's what we want, is we want moms to be not just moms, but great moms by faith. And um, it's a very important uh, subject, I believe. Uh, there's a humorous story of a mother who, um, oh, she was after her little boy from the crack of dawn. And then finally, she got him into bed at night. And she was exhausted. And she flopped down on the couch. And she said to her husband, well, today I worked from sun up, that's S-O-N, to sun down, S-O-N. <laughs> I guess you got to be a mom to really appreciate that, I suppose. But uh, I want to talk about being a great mom by faith. Now, uh, a good mother is really only a good mother if she follows the Lord's prescription for motherhood, as found in the Bible. Just because her children might think she's good does not necessarily mean she's a good mother in the eyes of God. Now I give you an example of this. A lady named Catherine Clark was born on October the 8th, 1873. 19 years later in 1892, she married a young guy named George Baker and she became Kate Baker. And, uh, Kate gave birth to four sons, Herman, Lloyd, Arthur, and Fred. And Kate became known as Mob Baker, Barker. Did I say Baker? I meant Barker. She became known as Ma Barker. Now, her four sons grew up to become notorious criminals. And Ma Barker became their gang leader. This is true. This is so strange. The FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, described Ma Barker as, here, here's his words, the most vicious, dangerous, and resourceful criminal brain of the 1930s. And yet, her sons, Herman, Lloyd, Arthur, and Fred, all thought she was a good mother. Ma Barker died in a wild shootout with the FBI. So just maybe a, a little bit of an extreme case there, but just to make a point, just because the kids say, oh, my mom was a, a good mom, doesn't mean that she was a good mom in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Timothy had a good mom. In fact, I think she was a great mom. And um, if you look here uh, in verse, uh, let's see, verse five, Paul wrote and he said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that has the idea of pure, pure faith. There's nothing two-faced about it. Some people give you this, you know, two-faced. They say, you know, they smile to your face and they say, yes, but as soon as you go away, you know, they say things about you, sort of like a two-faced two kind of a person. There was nothing like that about Timothy. His faith was pure. And when he told you yes, it meant yes. And if he told you no, it meant no. He was very honest and forthright and very upright with you. And Paul appreciated that so much of Timothy here. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Now watch this. 
which, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois. And so that's Timothy's mother's mother. So we're talking about mothers here now, aren't we? In this case, it's the grandmother, Lois. And when Paul says the unfeigned faith, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, he didn't say which abode, he said which dwelt. The difference between abide and dwell. Abide is to stay for a short time. To dwell is to stay for a long, long time. That's why your house is called a dwelling house or a dwelling place. Because you stay there a long, long time. And Paul was so happy about this unfeigned faith that was in Timothy. But he says, whoa, it's not just in you, Timothy, but it's in your, your mom's mom, Lois. And it, it abode in her, I would like to think, all her life or most all her life. I don't know anything other about Lois than what we have recorded here. It's very, very small. But I like to think that at some point early in her life, she came to know the Lord as her savior and started living her life for God, living by faith. And she started doing that. And she kept that up all the many years. Perhaps then her daughter was born, which was Timothy's mom, uh, Eunice. She's listed here next. And thy mother, Eunice. And so Eunice hopefully would have been born and raised in a godly home where her mom was a mom of faith. And that's where Eunice learned it from. And she learned to love the Lord and became born again, got saved. And then she grows up she marries. She gives birth to Timothy. Timothy is taught to love the Lord. Now it was the apostle Paul that came along and led Timothy to Christ. We don't know quite how old he was. But uh, that's why Paul refers to him as my son. My, verse 2, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. It's his son in the faith. And so this is very important. We're talking today about motherhood. And that's my uh, emphasis today. Um, next Sunday, it's going to be on fatherhood. Next Sunday morning. You know, when you look at the uh, Ten Commandments given in Exodus chapter 20, the first four of them deal with honoring God. The next six of them deal with honoring others, people. So four for God and six for people. And one of those six have to do with moms and dads. There's a tremendous emphasis put there on honoring mom and dad. I know that some people don't have, you know, the, the, the greatest parents, the nicest parents, the most honest parents. Maybe someone has... Parents that are criminals, crooks. Maybe the parents are in, in jail. Well, the promise still applies. We're told in Ephesians and chapter 6, we're told there that uh, honoring your, your mom and your dad is the first commandment in the list of 10. It's the first one that has a promise attached to it. And the promise of God is that he will bless you if you will honor your mom and dad. Oh, I'm not sure I can do that, someone says, because my dad did, you know, he, he, he beat me. My, my mama, my mama she, uh, she neglected me or something. And so this may be true. And the kids grow up into adulthood and they resent mom and they hate dad. And they have this bitterness. And when thoughts of mom or dad are mentioned, you know, they just struggle with that. And I can sure appreciate what they're saying, because there's a lot of that in the world and more and more of it these days than ever before. 
But God's promise is still the same. And if we will go to God and by faith, honor our mom and dad, you might have to pray and say, Lord, I'm not sure I can do this. This is a biggie. I don't really feel like I want to, but you tell me to. And so by faith, I want to honor my mom, honor my dad. And you find that God will bless that back to you. You will develop a new peace in your heart and soul. And God will begin to make things go well for you. Now, uh, my mom and my dad both passed away many years ago. My mom went first. And then when my dad went, I realized all of a sudden I'm an orphan. So that was a lot of years that, uh, uh, that they've both been gone now. But I try to honor their memory and I don't speak evil of them. Ah, my old man, my old lady. I don't ever talk like that about my mother and father. Uh, they weren't perfect, but I'll tell you a little secret. They gave birth to a very imperfect son. And so, you know, how can I, you know, point out their imperfections when I am the living embodiment of imperfection myself? So I do my best to honor them. And I look to God to fulfill his promise. I want to remind you that some of the greatest achievements for good ever attained in earth's history can be traced back to godly mothers. I believe with all my heart that women will do well if they get their standards for uh, being a wife and a mother from the Bible. I want to introduce you this morning to three godly women and three little lessons that we can learn. So I invite you to bow your head, close your eyes, and let's look to the Lord. Wonderful Heavenly Father, we thank you for a, a Bible that is full of truth and full of the lives of men and women. And some of them lived by faith and truly were great in your eyes. We want to look at two or three of those this morning. Lord, please help us to learn a lesson. And whether we be a mom or not, there's a lesson to be learned. So have thine own way, please. And bless each one here and each one watching this service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, can I invite you please to turn back to the book of Exodus? See if you can find that quickly. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And I want to introduce you to a, a mother. Her name is Jochebed. Jochebed is her name. And here we have the effect of a faithful mother. Faithful mothers can have tremendous effect in uh, the lives of their children and in other people's lives because of their children. So this story happened approximately 3,500 years ago. It happened back on the banks of the Nile River in Egypt, where a mother had prayed and planned and saved the life of her son. And we'll just briefly look at the story in chapter two. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Now you all know this story, the birth of Moses. This is not the only child this woman Jochebed had. She had given birth to a daughter Miriam, she gave birth to another boy named Aaron. And then a few years later comes Moses. But 
before Moses was born, the word came down from Pharaoh to kill all the baby boys. And so there's nothing in this story here that talks about the father. However, if you were to compare scripture with scripture, you'd find in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, that both mother and father are mentioned, the parents. It says that they saw that he was a goodly child and they uh, made provision to hide him there. But here, the emphasis, I believe, is on the mother. We have a mother's heart, so very tender, so very sensitive. And I believe she could hear the gentle voice of the heavenly father. This is something I believe that God wants to do for all godly mothers, for all mothers who will live by faith. He will whisper to their heart what to do at times, just when they need it. God used her to help overthrow a very wicked king. I believe the lesson for mothers here is very simple. To be sure to listen to the gentle, still small voice of God. Um, we could spend all morning talking about Jochebed, but I'm just trying to bring her to your attention and we're going to move on to the next mother. So I must hasten, but I just want you to see the lesson here, the effect of a faithful mother who is faithful to God. I believe that in this world, that we have to fight against the world, the flesh and the devil. And a mother needs to learn to fight against these. If they want to raise their children for God, there is definitely a war going on. And our enemy ultimately is Satan. Now, can I invite you to turn to the right and find the book of first Samuel, first Samuel. And that comes after judges and chapter one. First Samuel chapter one. Now we've seen Jochebed and the effect of a faithful mother. I want you to see Hannah. She was the mother of Samuel. Hannah, the effect of a praying mother, a praying mother. Now, Hannah was the wife of a man named Elkanah. She had no children. Don't want to get into all of the, um, the customs there, but Elkanah had two wives and Hannah was one of them. And the other wife had kids and she didn't. And that broke her heart. And she was very much in bitterness of soul and couldn't understand why it is that God wouldn't allow her to have children. And apparently it affected her so much. It got to the point where she was weeping all the time and she wouldn't eat. Well, the little family all took a, a journey to where the, the tabernacle was. Solomon's temple was not yet built. And so the tabernacle of the Lord that Moses had reared up in the wilderness was in a town called Shiloh. That's where it was. And a man named Eli was the high priest. And so they made this journey, a yearly journey to Shiloh. And there she worshiped the Lord. Now the story, uh, it's a rich story. And we don't have time to read it all. But let's see here. Um, you can see in verse 10 that she, that's Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a male, a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. 
That was a Nazarite vow, something that was particular to uh, Old Testament Israel. When a man would live for the Lord and he would take this Nazarite vow upon himself. And the vow could be for a short period of time or uh, in this particular case, he was to be given to the Lord all the days of his life. And that's great. And so she made a faith promise is what she made here in prayer. Now, here it is in verse 13. Eli was watching her pray and says, now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she'd been drunken. So he thought that she was full of alcohol. Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. And just to paraphrase, she says, I'm not drunk, but I've poured out my, my heart and soul before God. Verse 16, don't count me as a, a daughter of Belial. That, that means like a daughter of the devil. If she'd been a drunken kind of woman, yeah, she'd be sort of like a child of the devil. But she said, I'm not that at all. She said, I've, I've prayed in my complaint, my grief, I've, I've prayed. So Eli, verse 17 says, go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition. And so Eli um, could see then that she was in sincerity and uh, travail of heart and soul and spirit and bitterness. And although he didn't fully understand her whole situation, he was led of the Lord to tell her it's going to be all right. And so she goes home and sure enough, God answers prayer. And that's the point here. We're talking the effect of a praying mother. God answers prayer. She conceives and gives birth to a baby boy. She names him Samuel, which means asked of God. That's how much she believed in prayer. I asked God and he gave me. And this is the name of her boy asked of God, Samuel, the L the, on the E N, the end of the, the name E L that means God. Uh, so after about three years or so, she comes back to Shiloh and she finds Eli. And we pick the story up in verse 26. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord and he, he worshiped the Lord there. Now that idea of, of loaning, don't, don't make a mistake. She wasn't going back on her promise. Yeah. She said earlier, Lord, if you give me a child, a man child, I'll give him back to you. Now here she's saying, I'll loan him to you. Did you know that your kids are only loaned to you? Mom and dad, do you realize that? And when they come to get married, mom and dad. And we realize that even more and out of the house, they move and they set up shop. They set up a home of their own. They're now a little family unit of their own. We only have the children for just a short period of time, be it 18 years or 16 or 20 years or something. We just have them for a short period of time. And then in the Lord's program in the Lord's way and will they move out they get established on their own. We only have them for a short time. So we must make good use of that time because uh, that time goes by quickly. It really zooms by. 
even sometimes with the small children when they're one and two years old. And uh, then all of a sudden you say, how did the child get this big? I just remembered when they were this big and I could nestle them in the nook of my arm here. Now look at them and how heavy they are. Yeah, the time goes quick and it'll go quicker still. And before you know it, they're in their teen years and they're talking about their future. And before you know it, they're out of their teen years and they're actually into their future. So time goes fast. We don't really have them all that much, but it's important that we pray. And the, the truly great mom, and she can only do this by faith, is to pray and to pray every day for, their, for her kids and put her children in the hands of the Lord. That is so incredibly important. There's many examples, many cases of uh, wives who were not able to, to have children. And perhaps some years have gone by. But in answer to earnest prayer, God performs a miracle. There are so many instances of that. But what's also true is ye have not because ye ask not. It's not enough to ask once. You have to keep on asking and asking and asking. And that's sort of where we find Hannah here. This was her mission in life was to be a mom. And then after this, God did give her more children, but she took Samuel and forever in her heart, he was the Lord's. And so the lesson here is don't stop asking God for great things. Don't stop asking God to do wonderful things uh, through your children. We're talking about being a great mom in the eyes of God. And it's done by faith. And of course, um, the first, first mom, Jochebed was about being faithful. The second mom, Hannah is about being prayerful. Now we come to the third mom and she's in the new Testament. If you would go to Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, we have the third mom. Can you guess her name? Anyone? Well, I'll give you a hint. Her husband's name was Zacharias. Ah, okay. And she, um, she was in her senior years. And so was he. And all their married lives, they never had children. And they had prayed for kids too. They had prayed probably for many years, but they finally give up because uh, life was taking its natural course and they were well beyond being able to have children, let alone raising children. It's not just enough to have children. You have to be able to raise them and it takes a lot of energy. And that's why I think that God gives the children to uh, the younger ones. Have you ever thought about this, that the real experts with children the real experts that know what to do and they recognize everything, all of the little signs and sounds are the grandmas. The grandmothers are the experts with the children. They know how to, what end to change and pamper and they know what end to feed and they know how to bath them and they know, you know, if there's uh, something that can be handled in the home or do they have to take them, you know, to the hospital or something. The grandmas know it all. But God tends not to give babies to grandmas. He gives the babies to the young, inexperienced, green ones that aren't quite sure what to do and have to pick up the phone. Mom, what end do I put the powder on? 
just a thought, interesting thought, I think. We have here Elizabeth. She was the mother, of course, of John the Baptist. And we have the effect of a sensitive mother, I believe. Now, of course, the other, the other two come to play as well. All three of these moms, I believe, have all three qualities. But I'm just trying to bring out three moms that seem to personify one in particular. And we've got Elizabeth, the wife of Zacharias. And they were both too old by normal standards to have children. But in answer to their prayer, God gave a son. Now we're in chapter one. And uh, you'll see in verse five, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias and his wife was the daughter of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And so we have them here and they're both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. And you can use your imagination to try and figure out how old that is. And I'm telling you, it's way older than 40. They were way older than 40. You can laugh now if you like. But um, no, they were up there. And so uh, Zacharias was serving the Lord still, which was a little bit odd because usually the priests finished their duties at age 50, somewhere around there, and they would sort of retire. But uh, there were exceptions, and he was one of the exceptions. So he may well have been in his 70s. Remember, Abraham was 75 and still didn't have any kids. Remember that, him and Sarah. Uh, but here they may have been in their 70s when uh, all this uh, took place. We don't know. But he was in there serving the Lord. And while he was in there, verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Verse 12, when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias. Watch, for thy prayer is heard. What? You mean that prayer that I stopped praying 20 years ago? The prayer that I was praying for 30 years or 35 years when my wife and I were first married and we couldn't have kids and we kept praying for 35 years and we gave up 20 years ago? You mean that prayer? That's the prayer. That's the prayer. You see, God really does hear, doesn't he? He really does hear prayer. That's good to know. And so, anyhow, he talks about how that they're going to have, have a son. And um, his name was uh, John, became known as John the Baptist. And he was the forerunner, forerunner of Jesus Christ himself. His mother, Elizabeth, was sensitive to God's will for his life. And mothers, you must be sensitive to what God wants for your sons and for your daughters. You must be sensitive, not so much for what you want, but Lord, what do you want for my children? John the Baptist was one of the most powerful men that ever lived. He was a godly man and one of the most powerful preachers. And he was the result, of course, of prayer and sensitivity to God's call upon his life. I think the, the lesson here is that God delights in answering prayers of a godly mother who will be sensitive to his will. Now, these mothers all had a mother's heart and a mother's love. And they all were a powerful moving force, faithful, praying, sensitive. Whatever has happened to motherhood today, 
Perhaps you know of some mothers that don't seem to give a flip for their children or seem more concerned with the things of the world than they do with their, their own babies. Maybe you know of some. But I believe that we're living in a nation with growing numbers of mothers who it seems are ready to abandon faithfulness to God and abandon prayer and abandon sensitivity to God's will, ready to abandon these things in preference to things of the world. And I believe that we need to just face the facts that there are not that many mothers exercising a godly influence in their homes and in their children. What happened? Well, possibly two things. Number one is the breakdown of the home. In so many homes today, there's no Bible reading. In so many homes today, there's no prayer together. It's being done, not being done in preference to other things. Oh, we're too busy. We're too busy. We have so many things we have to do. And so what gets neglected? The Bible and prayer. You remember the, the song we teach the children? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll what? Grow, grow, grow. And we're not doing that in so many homes. In so many homes, there's no proper discipline of the children. Anything the kids want, all right, here you go. Don't bother me. Oh, stop your fussing. Here, here you go. Here you go. Now just settle down. And the kids are being given everything they cry for. And of course, you do this and you're going to start raising juvenile delinquents. I think the way to stop the increase of crime among youth is to stop raising criminals. We have the world with all of their so-called PhDs and so on and their, their so-called uh, expertise at raising kids. And what's happening? What's the bottom line? We're raising generations of kids that have no heart for God, no care for morality. It used to be, you know, your word was your bond. When you said yes, when you shook hands on something, that was the deal. Now it's not that way anymore. And that's why people have to run and get lawyers and they sue everyone. They sue each other because you just can't trust the word. There's a breakdown happening in the home. It's not good, folks. It's not good at all. The second, the second possible reason as to what's happening with the lack of godly great mothers. Number one is the breakdown of the home. Number two is the emphasis on worldliness. There's too much emphasis on things of the world. The godly women of old, they wielded such power, such influence. They didn't run around in miniskirts and bikinis. They didn't run around buying lotto tickets. They didn't run around teaching their kids to focus on making money. They didn't do that. I really believe that we live in a, a sensual world these days. And the modern emphasis on sensuality takes away from the glory of motherhood is what it does. Don't pity the godly mother of the past. I'll tell you what, their husbands held them in high regard. Their husbands held them securely in love and respect. Don't pity the godly woman of the past because her children would rise up and call her blessed. And so we need to, number one, make sure your home is a place of family worship. Now, the message today, of course, is primarily to the moms, but it's to all of us to help out 
Make sure your home is a place of family worship. Make sure that you, you take time for Bible reading and prayer daily in the home. Make sure you take time for grace at the meals. And I think here is the way to greatness. And it's by building godliness into your children. Be sure to teach the children to read the Bible, to pray, to be in church, to be godly. Number two, moms, make sure your home is your priority, your priority. Now, your first duty is to God always. Your first duty in life is to God. Your second duty is to your husband. Make him happy and complete. Your third duty is to the children, to teach them to love and obey God. Don't get the order mixed up. Don't put God third. Don't flip it upside down. This is sort of what the world wants to do. Flip that order upside down. Put your kids first above everything else. After that, your husband, if he'll fall in line, And then if you have any time left, then put God there. What a a recipe for disaster. You have to put God first and foremost. Fail to put him first and you've automatically put him last. You have to keep putting him first every day and then put your husband second. Many husbands resent their wives because they know that their wives have flipped the order and the kids have a higher priority than the husband. I think that there's been a a lot of divorce because of that. Put your husband second. You say, why? Why put the kids third? When your children see the emphasis you put on God and your relationship with your husband, they will feel secure. There's tremendous security and happiness for the children when they see mom and dad are madly in love with each other and God is number one. They have no problems with that. They grow up in a safe, happy, secure foundation. So keep your priorities right. Make your home your priority. Number three is make sure that you yourself know that you're going to heaven. Now, this, of course, is a universal message. Let me tell you quickly about a mother's boy. True story. His name was John. He was a sweet boy. Sweet when he was young, anyhow. His mother's name was Elizabeth. And uh, she loved him dearly and prayed that he would come to know Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And maybe, who knows, become a preacher of the gospel. That is a high, lofty, and admirable goal for your kids. So Elizabeth taught John some Bible verses and some gospel hymns. But when John was only six years of age... His mother, Elizabeth, became very ill with tuberculosis. And back in those days, they didn't have the modern equipment to be able to deal with that. Before John's seventh birthday, Elizabeth passed away. That was a tremendous blow. John grew up. His heart grew cold toward the gospel. He joined up with a a Navy ship and soon became an alcoholic. He loved to say the most vile and wicked things he could to make the other sailors blush. That's what John would do. But John's mother had prayed for him much before she died. And suddenly at the age of 23, John came under heavy conviction over his sin. So heavy that he actually thought he would die. What was happening? God was answering his mother's prayers. 
And so the year was March 21st, 1748. And John was saved. He came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. By this point, though, John's life was a real wreck. He had actually signed on now to be a slave trader aboard a ship that raided villages of West Africa. But when John was saved, he immediately knew this was wrong. This was a bad business. And in short time, he, he quit. He took a job in London, England. John's last name was Newton, John Newton. And John began to love God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul. And God continued to answer the prayers of his mother by calling him into full-time service as a preacher of the gospel in 1764. John was 39 years of age. And for the next 43 years of his life, John Newton preached the gospel. And many people were saved as a result of it. And he wrote a hymn that we still sing today. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. All this because a, a godly mother kept praying for her son. Kept living the life in front of him. We need to go to prayer now. I hope that if you're here today, if you're a mom here today, that God has spoken to you to hold the torch high, to reconfirm your commitment in your heart, to put God first, your husband second, then your children, and that you will be faithful and prayerful and sensitive to the will of God for your kids. Our Heavenly Father, we do love you. We adore you and praise you. We thank you for all of the moms. Lord, in our hearts, they're just so wonderful. And we ask and pray, Father, that you would make them great in your eyes. I pray for any mom that might be discouraged over perhaps her children, their behavior, or discouraged perhaps because she, she can't seem to, to get what she needs in order to raise them for you. Father, I pray that you would encourage these moms. And I pray for supernatural, heaven-sent wisdom. Whisper to their heart in your still small voice the instructions and what they are to do. And I pray you would bless their kids and make them a great answer to their mom's prayers. Thank you again for the blessing of, of having moms. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's our joy to be able to worship the Lord with our giving. Our tithes and our offerings are just expressions of our heart. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this over the years. I think that I will be amongst those who, when we get to heaven, will utter the words, I wish I had done more. I wish I had given him more. I've tried to be a giver all my life. I've tried to please the Lord in the area of, of my, my finance and what he's blessed me with. So we have that opportunity today. Now here in the auditorium, we, we don't have the ushers to pass the ushering bag, uh, the offering bags, but we have the box, the offering box at the back. 
as you leave the auditorium, there's the box that says tithes and offerings, and you're able to put your gifts in there. If you want to use the, um, uh, the electronic means of giving with like a card, a debit card, a credit card, you can do that today. And now a word to those who are watching online. Um, I think we're all well aware of how to give online. And if you would do that, please, in just a moment, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. Also, we want to remind you, if you've not yet done something to help our dear sister Myra, that you might consider doing that today. Everything, 100%, goes right through to our dear sister to help get her back on her feet. And now before we, we do that, I'd like you to hear the word of the Lord. And then I'm going to call upon Pastor Tim to come and lead us in a hymn. And the word of the Lord today is in Psalm 100, and it's very short, and I want to read the whole psalm. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Now, if you're watching online at home, I encourage you to go to the donation page, and God bless you as you do. Pastor Tim, would you come please and lead us in this great hymn? 